0: Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your spirit, that as scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with hope and joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 22 through 31. Hear these words. He said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, or what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They never sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour of your life uh, to your span of life, If then you are not able to do so small thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of a little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. The word of God for the people, God. Thanks be to God.
1: So. The irony of crafting a message about anxiety is that it generally causes anxiety for me, right? Uh, There are various people in my life who are worriers. Uh, Some of them just run a little anxious, is usually what I say, right? Like their gas mix is a little set to anxious. Uh, And some people's gas mix is just set a little more to sure than other folks. But there are a number of people in my life who are worriers and they run anxious. But anxiety has always been a part Of the human condition Really, if we're honest, has it it not? Wimberly, as we heard She worried about a lot of things Uh, Wimberly worried about school This is not Wimberly, this is something entirely different Uh, I'm talking about the the children's book, right? Wimberly worried about a lot of things But my favorite uh, sort of thing about anxiety and worry uh, Really is that clip And I think it's pretty hilarious We experience anxiety all the time So, Jake, now, if you want to run this clip This would would be great (laughs) Not going to worry about it. Um, how many of you have seen your children compete in a sport? I'm just curious. I promise you—you you might relate to this. This was in the Beijing Olympics. Uh, th- th- these are her parents in the crowd, um, and this is like the picture of anxiety <laughs> and, and worry. Right? They're not even in the sport, and they're like their anxiety is peaking. <laughs> As, as they're watching their daughter perform in the Olympics. Um, and I, just, I could watch this all day. It is, it, is, it is so funny to watch other people's anxiety, right? Let alone our own. Um, <laughs> that face. Oh, <Ugh>. oh. <laughs> that is it. She stuck the landing. She stuck the landing, right? Thanks, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Anxiety is like a part of the human condition. It is what makes us human. Recently, we heard about college admission scams. Parents so anxious about their children's future that they are willing to break all sorts of codes of conduct to secure a sense of hope and trust in the future for their children. The New York Times, uh, on February 20th, 2019, ran this headline... Teenagers say depression and anxiety are major issues among their peers. Here are the stats uh, from that survey uh, from, the, from the New York Times. It says that they cited anxiety as a major problem among their peers, not alcohol consumption or teenage pregnancy or gang violence or poverty or bullying. It was anxiety that was getting the most of our future generation. That was the the thing that was captivating people's time and energy. Anxiety has always been a part of the human condition, but there are some things that have happened in recent years that have changed what anxiety looks like. Thanks, Jake. Um, In the 40s and 60s, anxiety ran high, and we called it the Red Scare, right? In the 60s through the 80s, people were anxious about nuclear holocaust And we invented something called the Doomsday Clock. Anxiety runs high. September 11th, 2001, mental health professionals across the United States started to see the changes in anxiety after that date concerned to uh, acts of terror in people's lives. The Columbine High School shooting on April 20th, 1999 was also a watershed moment for anxiety in our culture. Kids couldn't even be safe at school, of all the things to worry about, of all things to be anxious about. Friends, anxiety is real, is it not? Anxiety can be crippling, and the bad news is, is that anxiety is not going away anytime soon. It is here. Anxiety has always been a part of the human condition, so much so that Jesus runs into it. And we are privileged to hear from the Gospel of Luke this morning, a fascinating story, And we hear from Luke chapter 12. And the first challenge when we talk about finding a a passage in the Bible to preach on is that you have to uh, select the passage. And so if we look at our passage this morning from Luke chapter 12, it'll say this. He said this to the man. He said, therefore I tell you. And the first thing that we need to understand about selecting a passage is that when you see the word therefore... You have to ask a question. What the therefore is there for? Right? And this is tricky because the ancient uh, words right on this page were not written in English. We need to remember that Luke was written in Greek. Right? It's been translated. And when we look at a passage, it was written in something called scriptum continuum. I got an example of this here. This is an ancient manuscript. You'll notice all the words are kind of smushed together. And there's another example here. All the words are smushed together, so you have to differentiate between what words are what words and uh, how they make up a word as a whole. And you have to determine where the passage starts. So we've run into this passage that begins with the word "therefore." Is that the start of the passage? No, it is not. So why are the words "therefore"? What are they? What are they there for? And so we need to back up a little bit and hear what Jesus is addressing. And we'll begin in verse 13 this morning. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, that's the crowd, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That's a good word for this season of Lent, is it not? Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, those Whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. And Jesus turns and he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not. This is the word of God for the people of God. It's interesting how this story about providing makes its way into our holy text. When I read this scripture and this section as a whole, some things become apparent for me as an observer. One, people have always been concerned about their paycheck, right? People have always been concerned about money. Two, people have always strived to be in control of a situation. People have always strived to be in control. And three, people tend to forget about God. People tend to forget about God. And so let's take that first part. People have always been concerned about their paycheck. The landowner in our story is concerned about inheritance, wealth, uh, preserving wealth, des- uh, diversifying his portfolio, uh, allocating different growth strategies based on his age and stage of life, maximizing his return on his investment so that when he reaches mandatory retirement, he doesn't have to pull out of Social Security right away. Right? He just needs a supplement from his Roth. He doesn't have to do that. This is the, our character in the story. He has recently come into a windfall of money at the death of a parent, uh, presumably, and apparently his brother is not dividing up the goods. So we don't know the whole of this man's circumstances because this is all we have about the man. But what we do know is that people have always been concerned about their paycheck. And people will always be concerned about their paycheck. The second thing is that people have always strived to be in control. Jesus provides a quick word for the crowd's sake. Jesus says, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Man, that is a good word in the season of Lent. And then Jesus teaches them through a parable. The man in the parable is, um, how can we say this charitably? He's a control freak, (laughs) right? Is he not? He continually looks for better and more secure ways to secure his future. He's preoccupied with his bank account. Uh, He is preoccupied with planning. He is preoccupied with handling his situation and navel-gazing. And so much so that when the time comes, he is not met with the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. He is met with the words, You fool. Why? The third point. Because he's forgotten about God. And people tend to forget about God. In all this man's planning, he planned to account for one thing. He planned to make room and plan for God of all things. He was so worried about everything else that he forgot to worry about the one thing that matters most, and that's God. And how often do you and I fall into the same trap? Do we not? We worry about what we are going to eat, what we're going to drink, and the things that we're going to wear. And we worry about our children getting into college. We worry about communism. We worry about terrorism. We worry about relationships. We worry, and we worry, and we worry, and we worry. But how many of us can add a single hour to our day by worrying? How many of us can solve gigantic global problems with the power of anxiety? (laughs) How many of us can fix anything with our worrying? I know I can't. And I don't think we can. And so what can we do? Like, What's the good word, preacher? What can we do? Perhaps there exists an alternative. Perhaps there exists an either or option for us. If people have always been concerned about their paycheck, if people have always strived to be in control of a situation, if people tend to forget about God, what would it look like if we embraced the alternative as people of faith? What would it look like if we worried about what we can control? What if Jesus' words are true for us today? Seek the kingdom of God, Jesus says, and these things will be given to you. Strive after God's kingdom, and all these things will be given to you. And so the good news this morning, I think, for us is that ultimately, God is in control. Ultimately, God is in control, and God has got this, y'all. God has it. It is in his hands, in his capability, in his control. But that's not where it ends for us. Yes, God has ultimately got this. However, we still have a part to play today. There are things that are in our realm of control and responsibility. And what are those, you might be asking, what are the things that we can control? What are the things that are in our responsibility? Well, namely, it's ourselves. Is it not? Namely, it is just us. All I can control in this life is myself. How I react to to something, my actions, all I can do is control myself. The the good news further still is that we have a, a helper and an advocate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is not bootstrap spirituality where I just sort of seek to control myself and worry about me. No, it's all I can control is myself when I'm open to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. It's the Holy Spirit that can shape and form and guide me. And so my actions then are empowered by the Spirit. And I don't have to worry about other people's actions. I worry about my own and my own openness to God working in me. That is what I can control. I cannot control your openness. I cannot control your reaction. I cannot control our government. I cannot control other governments. I cannot control other people. I can only ultimately control myself and my own openness to God and the power of the Holy Spirit to work in my life and the trust and the changing power of the Holy Spirit for me and my actions. So for me, I am giving up worrying for Lent, right? <laughs> it is gone, right? I am giving up anxiety. I find trust to be a whole lot more life-giving than anxiety, A trust in the Holy Spirit to change me and to change my actions. A trust in things I can control, myself and my openness to God. And to trust ultimately in God, that God has this. And that I need to relinquish my control issues because ultimately I am not God. And I need to trust in a Heavenly Father who loves and has the best intentions for us as His children. And so may it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.